You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, if you would. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 5 is where we're going to be at this morning. We've been going through verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, uh, one verse after another uh, throughout this year. If you missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up on our website at whoecala.org. Uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, via the uh, podcast app on your phone. We also have a super awesome Whoecala app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play uh, to your device and uh, check, uh, check out our podcast there. It also has a Bible app and a journal and, and all that. Uh, so stay caught up, whatever you do. Don't miss any of these messages. This is message uh, number 35. I believe it is in our series that we've been going through, verse number, or, or message number 34 uh, in our series as we've gone verse th- by verse. If you want to know what we're preaching on next week, just keep reading through the, the passage. We're just going verse by verse through all of it uh, if you want to get ahead. If you've never read the whole book of Ephesians together, you should sit down and read it. Uh, it'll take you maybe 35, 40 minutes if you're a slow reader like me uh, to make it through the whole chapter. Uh, we, we took a look at earlier this year how the first three chapters are heavy doctrinally. They tell us who we are in Christ and why we need Jesus and what happens when we are become alive in Jesus Christ together. The last three chapters where we find ourselves today is very practical in nature. Because you're a child of God, now here's how you act. Here's how you uh, belong to a family. Uh, Here's how Jesus changes our lives. And that's where we find ourselves today. In Ephesians chapter number five, we're gonna start in verse number one uh, and read through verse number seven this morning. We're really gonna focus on uh, just a couple of verses in this passage. Ephesians chapter five, uh, starting in verse number one. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Last week, the title of the message was Walk in Love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, uh, this is where we're gonna spend a lot of our time today, verses three and four. The word fornication means any type of sexual sin or sexual immorality. And all uncleanness or covetousness, let be not once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience, be not ye therefore partakers with them." Our uh, oldest daughter, Makili, she's now 10 years old, but when uh, she was about five years old, she discovered Oreo cookies for the first time. And how many of you know that's a beautiful time in your life when you discover Oreo cookies? Man, uh, good stuff right there. She had a little bit of a problem, though, because and we didn't find out until later, she would go and open up the cookie, eat the filling out of the cookie, and put it back in the box. How do you figure this out? You figure this out because you go to get yourself some Oreo cookies, right? And I bite into one and there's no filling on the inside and I throw it away and I grab another one, there's no filling in it, but I open it to find there are teeth marks that have scraped along the inside of the cookie and every single one of them, every single one of them, an entire pack of Oreos had been stripped of the filling, put back in there as if we had a full pack of Oreo cookies. So I went to her, she was about five years old and I said, sweetheart, why did you do this? And she said, I only like the filling. And I said, sweetheart, you're missing out on some of the best part. The filling is good for sure, but you also need the cookie as well. She says, I don't like the cookie. And then every parent has to ask the question, did you try the cookie? No, I just know that I don't like it. I just want the filling. And so I said, sweetheart, you don't understand right now, but you're missing out on so much that life has to offer. The entire cookie, but not just the whole cookie. I'm talking about cookies and milk. Like pour yourself a big, tall glass of milk, get yourself a spoon, uh, let your cookies sit in the milk for about 45 seconds or so until they get just a little bit mushy, but not so mushy that they fall apart in the milk. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you scoop it out and then you eat that. That's the good stuff, sweetheart. And then also, uh, this is a new phenomenon, but they come out with different flavored cookies throughout the year, right? We got like red velvet cookies we got birthday cake oreo cookies and you can't just eat the filling sweetheart every now and then you hit the jackpot and you find a a store that has the double stuff cookies you get twice as much filling and that's not just twice as much to eat out and put the cookie back it's you enjoy together with all that 
Uh, and if you want to really go over the edge, they make Oreo cookie ice cream sandwiches. Like it just, it just goes on and on and on. But she was so fixated on just the filling. That's all she wanted. Sweetheart, I'm getting ready to rock your world with a whole new world of Oreo cookies, right? When we grasp that the things that this world has to offer when it comes to sexual activity, and we just want what the world has to offer, but we skip out on what God has to offer. It's like licking the filling of a cookie and putting the cookie back. It's good for a minute, but it doesn't satisfy, and it's not really what God intended. This passage, we're going to take a look at a big word uh, that the Bible uses again and again called fornication. The word fornication means any type of sexual sin. We're going to take a look at that uh, definition in your notes here this morning. The word fornication means any type of sexual immorality. This is any type of sexual activity that takes place outside of marriage would be the word of fornication. It's used again and again throughout Scripture. Uh, Every single time it's used, it's used in a negative context, a negative connotation associated with the word fornication. When Paul wrote this letter to the uh, uh, church at uh, Ephesus, as he also wrote a letter to the church at Corinth and used the same word, he wrote it in the Greek language, and the Greek word that he used for this was the Greek word pornea. Uh, It means sexual immorality. It's where we get our word for pornography. Uh, The word pornea uh, means sex uh, between two people that are not married. And the word pornography is, is gathered from that. And the word uh, porno, sex between two people that are not married. And the word graph, which means to write or to draw, pornography would be uh, the viewing of sexual immorality. That would fall into this category of fornication as well this morning. As we take a, a look at this passage of Scripture, it's important to understand first and foremost that all sin is equal in regards to our standing with God. You've heard people say before, all sin is the same. Sin is sin to God. And that's true to a degree. And we're going to take a look at what that means in just a moment. But the sin of sexual sin versus the sin of, say, pride or anger or uh, just forgetfulness of the things of God, all those would be sin according to God. And it, it, it is the exact same when it comes to our standing before God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've sinned against God, you've sinned against God. And whether your, your sin is sexual sin in nature or whether it's just telling a lie, or whether you cheated on your taxes this year, or you cheated on an exam that you took at school, your sin is sin before God and you're standing before God. In your notes, you'll find James chapter number two, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. The Bible says that all we have to do is we can keep the entire commandment that God's given us. That means the whole Bible, not just 10 commandments. God has given us thousands of commandments throughout the Bible. All you have to do is break one of them, and the Bible says you're guilty of breaking all of them. It's not a matter of, well, my sin isn't as bad as the guy next to me. Well, I I might have my own sin problem, but that guy over there, he's a lot worse than I am. God doesn't view things that way. He says, if you've broken the law, which all of us have, you're guilty of all of it. So we sit today in a room full of sinners that are guilty of breaking every single one of God's law, bar none. We're all guilty before God. Now, the answer to all sin is the same, the gospel. Uh, The gospel is the good news of who Jesus Christ is, and that's the answer for every person's sin, the gospel. You see, here's the fact of the matter. You and I have sinned against the holy God. You and I have broken God's law, every single one of us. And because of our sin, the Bible says we will die, for the wages of sin is death. Now, it's not just a bad thing that we're all gonna die. We're all gonna be died. We're all gonna be died. We're all gonna die and be judged for our sin every one of us. And the, the guidelines are the same. Have you broken the law? Yes, we all agree to that. Are you guilty? Yes, there is no appeal. There is no second chance. You're guilty, and here is the sentence. Not only death on this earth, but an eternal death that lasts forever. Because of my sin and because of your sin, we're gonna be separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's the penalty of our sin. Regardless of what your sin is, it doesn't matter. That's the penalty of our sin, death and hell. But here's the good news. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to die and go to hell. 
God doesn't want you to spend eternity separated from him. He loves you so much that he wanted to make a way for you and I to come to him despite our sin. But God says you can't come unless your sin has been paid for. You can't come to me unless you are first forgiven of all the sin that you do. And the Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus came because of God's love for you and I. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, a debt that we could not pay on our own so that we could be forgiven of all of our sin. But it's not just a one-time forgiveness. It's a past, present, future forgiveness that God offers through Jesus. But you have to make a decision to allow God to pay that debt on your behalf. You have to take the payment that Jesus has made and apply it to your own account. That's a choice you've got to make for yourself. And for every person, there must be a time in your life where you have come to a recognition of your sinfulness before God and your desire to be forgiven. And you cried out in repentance, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save me. The Bible says it's called being saved or being born again. And Jesus himself says in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. There's no other way to go to heaven other than through Jesus. There's no other way to have your sin forgiven or wiped away other than Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't be baptized enough. You can't do enough good stuff to ever cover up the wrong that you've done. It takes a payment by somebody greater than yourself, and that's Jesus. That's the gospel. You see, the forgiveness of sins by Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection is the only hope that we have for sin. That's it. This is the gospel. Jesus came. He died. He rose again the third day, and he's coming back one day very, very soon. That's the good news that we have because it forgives our sin. Again, it doesn't matter what your sin is. You could have killed somebody. Honestly, I don't care. It can be forgiven by Jesus today. You might be involved in one of the most sexually heinous sins that one could imagine. It does not matter. God's grace can cover your sin and forgive you of all the wrong that you've ever done in your entire life. Or you might be sitting here today going, I'm not really all that bad of a person. I mean, I'm, I've done a little bit of wrong here and there, but nothing like what he's talking about up there. Just know this, your sin has separated you from God and he's making a way today for you to be forgiven through his son, Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, you're not 100% sure that if you died, that heaven is your home, put your faith in Jesus today. He's the only hope that you have for this life and the next. While all sin is equal in regards to our standing before God, all sin is not equal in regards to its consequences and destructiveness. We might say that all sin is the same as far as what it does with our standing before God, but all sin is not the same as far as the destructive nature of sin. For example, let's just say, for example, that uh, I uh, lie and I tell my wife I'm gonna be home at 5.30 for dinner. She has the table set, it's 5.30, and I don't come home till six, and I don't even apologize for it. We would all agree that that's bad, it's wrong. I didn't keep my word. I'm not a man of integrity in the fact that I didn't even bother to call. I've been selfish in the fact that I didn't think of her and what she did. And, and how many of you would agree that's probably uh, would be categorized as a sin? We wouldn't say that it's a heinous, awful sin, but it's a sin. But let's say, for example, I go out tonight and I get drunk and I get very, very drunk and I begin to drive my car and I kill someone on the way home because I'm driving intoxicated. How many of you would say, well, that's sin and it's pretty bad sin and compared to the not being home on time, would be, this would be considered more of a greater sin, right? Sin is sin to God. We've already established that. But some sin is more destructive in nature than others. When we look at sexual sin and what the Bible says, sexual sin is incredibly destructive in the fact that God puts it in its own category. In your notes there this morning, we see in 1 Corinthians verse number, uh, chapter number 16, verse number 18, Paul says this, flee fornication, run from it. He goes on to say this, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. In other words, every sin we do is outside of our body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body that this is, a, this is different than every other sin. You tell a lie, that affects people outside around you, but when you commit sexual sin, you're sinning against your own body. In uh, Proverbs chapter seven, uh, keep your finger here in Ephesians, turn back to Proverbs chapter seven if you would. 
The book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus Christ. Before Solomon died, he wanted to tell his boys, he had, he had sons, and he wanted to tell his boys all that he had learned about wisdom and life. And that's the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter seven, starting in verse number six. Proverbs chapter seven, verse number six. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youth, a young man void of understanding. I looked out my window and saw a young guy that didn't know what he was doing. Verse number eight, passing through the street near her corner. He went the way into her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. The word harlot means a prostitute and of subtle, a subtle of heart. She's loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her own house. Now she is without, now in the streets, lying in wait at every corner. Here we have a woman who's dressed like a prostitute hanging out on the street. She's not in her own house where she should be. Uh, she's out hanging around in the streets here. Verse number 13, so she caught him, this young man void of understanding, and kissed him with an impudent face, said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I paid my vows. In other words, it's payday. Come to, to my house. Therefore, I came forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I found thee. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love, for the good man is not home. He has gone on a long journey. Verse number 19 says, my husband ain't home. He's out for a while. Come home with me. Verse number 20 He's taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed with her much fair speech. She caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it's for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. He said, this woman that wants to be with you will destroy your life. Now, if you know anything about this story, it's pretty rich coming from Solomon, right? Solomon had 1,000 women that the Bible says turned his heart away from the things of God. So if anybody has the ability to give advice like this, it's Solomon because he's walked this road before. But you see, the destruction that's spoken of here is much greater than telling a lie. It's much greater than uh, being unkind. It's much greater than uh, maybe uh, gossip or something along those lines. This, he says, will bring you down to death. And I'm here to tell you today, when you are involved in sexual immorality, whether it is sex before marriage, premarital sex, whether it's sex outside of your own marriage, which would be adultery, whether it's pornography, or any other type of sex outside of marriage. It is a sin that will destroy your life. I had the opportunity to talk this past week to some uh, high school students at a Christian school here in town. And uh, it was basically a week-long time of you could talk about anything that you wanted to talk about. If you wanted to talk about time management or reading the Bible or prayer or something like that, you could. And they, they said, uh, Pastor King, you can speak on any topic that you want to. What do you want to speak about? And I said, I want to speak on sexual purity. And they're like, wow. Okay, then. Uh, because here's the thing. Where have I seen the majority of teenagers and young adults ruin their lives? Ruin in, in the area of sexual purity. Where have I seen so many marriages destroyed in the area of sexual immorality? It's so incredibly important. Again, when we look at how all sin is not equal in regards to consequences and destructiveness in your notes there this morning, Matthew chapter 18, verse number six, Jesus said this, but whoso shall offend in one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus says, if anybody messes with kids, it's better for them that you hang a stone around their neck and kick them off the end of the pier, then let me handle it. Jesus is pretty serious about this. 
If you ever wonder what the, uh, the Bible says about things like capital punishment and things like that, it's, it's pretty clear on what it says. Now, I'm thankful that God's grace applies to every situation, and even when people do heinous things, they can be forgiven by God, but there will still be consequences for sin every single time. Now, some of the things we're gonna take a look at today are gonna be a little bit, um, are gonna cause you to be maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Think about it this way. If I'm talking about prayer this morning, we're just gonna talk about prayer this morning. And I'm talking about prayer, and you pray 30 to 45 minutes a day. Every single day, you've got a prayer list, and, you, and you're praying even throughout the day, outside of your regular prayer time, and we talk about prayer. You're probably not gonna feel uncomfortable. We go, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, preach on, pastor, prayer. We love it. It's good stuff. But if you haven't prayed in, say, six weeks, and you only pray when somebody gets in the hospital, you'll feel a little bit uncomfortable when we begin to talk about prayer because you're just like, that's not where I'm at. It's not where, where I, I am right now, it's, but that's where I need to be. When we talk about things like sexual impurity, and this is where you're at in your life, you're gonna feel uncomfortable when I talk about it, but just know this. I love you, and I'm not telling you this because I'm mad at you. I'm trying to help you with your life. I'm trying to help you not destroy your life. The, uh, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven, says it's better to have the rebuke of a wise man than to hear the song of fools. It's better for somebody to say, hey, you're going the wrong way than for everyone to cheer you on while you go the wrong way. And sometimes as a pastor, it's my job to tell you things that you don't wanna hear. And I'm okay with that. Know this, I'm not mad at you, I'm not upset with you. And most of all, I want you to know this, I don't judge you for any of your sin. And no one else here in this church should judge you for your sin. But let me just tell you this right now. If you're having sex outside of marriage, the Bible says it's a sin. And I love you enough to tell you that this morning. If you're involved in pornography, the Bible says that that's a sin. And I love you enough to tell you that this morning. If you're involved in a same-sex relationship, that's a sin, and I love you enough to tell you what the Bible says. Now, you might get mad at me, but I'm just gonna tell you what the Bible says. I don't judge you for your sin. I don't judge you for where you're at or what you're involved with. I love you, and I wanna help you with that. As we look at this passage, which might get a little bit uncomfortable, but I want you to persevere through that with me this morning. First of all, we see that our flesh is prone to sexual immorality. Our, our flesh is drawn to sexual sin. Turn your foot over to Galatians chapter five, if you would. Galatians chapter five, you should have in your Bible verses uh, 22 to 23. You should have those circled, starred, underlined, highlighted, uh, whatever you do in your Bible to draw attention to verses 22 and 23. Solid stuff. It's the fruit of the spirit. When God's at work in me, in me, what comes out? Love and joy and peace and all types of other good things. But just a few verses up in Galatians chapter five, verse number 19, it says this. Now the works of the flesh, this is you and I by our nature. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. First of all, adultery. Second of all, fornication. Third of all, uncleanness. Next, lasciviousness. All four of those are sexual sins. All four of them. That, this just goes to show that our nature is automatically drawn to those. Verse number 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, of such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is heavy talk here. It says if you are categorized in your life by these things, you will not go to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's strong talk. Now, does that mean that if I sin sexually, I can't go to heaven? That's not what it means. Next week, we're gonna take a look at that. But just know this, if this categorizes who you are as a person, then you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you because you're not saved. Now, salvation is not how I live my life and making sure that I am on my best behavior. Salvation is a gift of God. But salvation will change who I am so that I'm not a person who's made up of revelings and drunkenness and hatred and witchcraft and idolatry. That's not me anymore because Jesus saved me. But my flesh is automatically drawn to sexual fulfillment in an unhealthy way. Take a look at your notes there, 1 Corinthians chapter 
6, verse number 9. Again, this is heavy talk, but this is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, here's that word again, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That word effeminate means those that are in a same-sex relationship. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Strong talk. Strong talk. This lets you know how serious God is about this. This is not just like a, oh, try harder, oh, do better, oh, everybody makes mistakes, oh, everybody's a sinner. This is serious stuff. That God says, if this categorizes your life and who you are, you're probably not a child of mine. Because those who, this is their life, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians 3, 5, mortify or put to death, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10 again. Verse number six, now these things are our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them as it was written. The people sat down to eat with drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in that one day three and 20,000. This is heavy stuff. Sexual sin is such a big deal to God that he equates it to when you and I leave him for another God or another idol. If you take a look in the, the Old Testament and you read through that where the children of Israel were with God for a while and they left him and went to other gods, whether it be Baal or another God, he said they left their God and went a-whoring after other gods and committed fornication with them. It's a big deal. God says we have a commitment to each other. In marriage, we have a commitment to our spouse which sex inside of marriage is a beautiful, holy, special thing. But it, when we pervert that and we try to gain pleasure from it outside of the, the boundaries of marriage, God says that's a sin and you're destroying your own self. Don't do it. In our culture, we've become desensitized to immorality. Things that would have been unthought of or unheard of in the past now are commonplace in our society today. Television shows that Christians watch that glamorize sexual violence against women. I don't understand that. I can't process that. That we become, as a society, so desensitized to sexual immorality that it doesn't even make us think twice. When we see uh, a woman being hit or raped on a television show, we don't turn our head or we don't fast forward or just turn the TV off. We just sit there and watch it and are entertained by that. God forbid that Christians are entertained by violence against women. What kind of society do we live in today that this is classified as entertainment? I don't get it. What society do we live in today where we sexualize preteen girls? I don't understand that. What society do we live in that we try to hypersexualize our children at a young age? I don't understand that, but our society is so desensitized to this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 18. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them because of the blindness of their heart. How did we get here? We forgot about God and we turned our back on him. But it goes on to say, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's a sexual desire that needs to be fulfilled. Being past feeling, it means they don't even feel bad about what they do anymore. I talked to uh, the teenagers this week at the Christian school. I said, uh, on my phone, whenever I take a picture, the picture that I take automatically goes to my Google Photos and automatically gets backed up to Dropbox. I just have to hit the button one time and the picture's in two different places on the internet. I said, just know this, any picture you take lasts forever. Forever. And I said, some guy that says that he cares about you wants you to send him a picture of you in an inappropriate way, just know that picture lasts forever and you're going to be 45 years old with kids one day, and some dude is going to have some picture of you when you were in high school. Just don't remember, those things never go away. But we live in a society today where that's normal. It's kind of part of the dating ritual that you send inappropriate photos to a person that you're dating or interested in in some way to prove a level of commitment that you might have. We've gone past the part of feeling bad for our sin. 
It grieves me that many days, these days, Christians can't even blush at sin. We don't feel bad about what we see taking place around us. And we become desensitized to the immorality that we see around us. Pornography is a cancer in our society. It's a black eye on America. It is ruining our country from the core. I was talking to these young people this week and I said, uh, you know, one of the things that I've seen that has destroyed marriages the most is pornography. And I said, let me rephrase that statement. The thing that I've seen ruin most marriages is pornography. I've never seen anything that, that rivals that as far as destructive nature. Is alcohol destructive? No doubt about it. Definitely, for sure. Is anger destructive? Definitely, no doubt about it, for sure. Pornography times 10. And I've seen it again and again and again. And our sexual appetite was designed by God to be used inside of marriage in a very healthy, holy, happy way. When we try to fulfill that outside of marriage, it becomes an insatiable monster that cannot be controlled. And pornography, the appetite for pornography continues to get worse and worse and worse to where the mind and the heart craves more debased things. I won't even begin to, just in the research that I've done for this message, I won't describe to you the things that people watch and are sexually aroused by. It's embarrassing. It should be illegal. But people say, hey, as long as nobody's hurt, as long as you're doing your thing, I don't care what you do. But we as Christians must say, hey, we're not gonna stand for this. As a husband and a father, I made a commitment a long time ago that I will not look at pornography because I know what it will do to me and to my family. I made a commitment to my family to protect them from pornography, whether it be filtering software, whether it be spot checks on my, my boys' cell phones, whatever it is, I'm gonna protect them from that because I will not allow that to destroy my family. I've seen it happen so many times and it's a sin before God. You see, when I was a, a kid, if you wanted pornography, you had to know some, some kid in the neighborhood whose dad subscribed to Playboy and he knew may, maybe the box that he put him under his bed somewhere and he had to make sure that nobody was home and he had to go through this big, huge, long process. Uh, for me, the, the county that I lived in didn't sell pornographic material. You had to drive two counties over to get to a store that was open till midnight and somebody had to distract the front clerk so that somebody could stuff a magazine in their short pockets and run out before they got caught. That's how you got pornography. Now, any child can pick up a device that's connected to the internet and be looking at pornography within seconds. The affordability, the availability, and the anonymity of pornography has make it, made it run rampant in our society today, and it's destroying lives one life at a time. And let me just tell you, if you have looked at pornography in the last 30 days, I hope you're feeling really, really uncomfortable in your seat right now. And I don't say that to be mean to you this morning. I say that because I want you to understand the destructive power of what you're doing with your life right now. It's a cancer. I promise you it will kill you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. In 1988, the average first exposure to pornography was age 11. A recent study suggested that number's dropped to eight years old. Isn't that sick? Know this, if you have a child that's 10, 11, 12 years old, chances are they might have already been exposed to pornography. I would have said, I wouldn't believe that unless I had kids myself. Guess what? My son Vanderlei was attending a Christian school at nine years old, one of the kids on the playground handed him a web address and said, hey, go home and look at this website when you get home. He was in fourth grade. He brought it home and because he wasn't allowed to go on the internet by himself, he said, hey dad, one of the kids said I should go to this website, what should I do? Wow, how old was he? He was nine and had there not been plans in place and we've already had a talk by nine years old about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. He might've went and looked at that website address. That's troubling to us. If you have kids, you need to protect them. 70% of men and 30% of women have looked at pornography within the last 30 days. I would be foolish if I said, well, that certainly doesn't apply to us because we're Christians. Studies have showed, and again, they're self-reported, and a lot of people probably lie, that the, the percentage of men and women that look at pornography in Christian culture is not really that different than the unsaved people either. 
That means that there's people, a good percentage of people in this room that have looked at pornography in the last 30 days. I'm gonna encourage you today to repent of that and run from it like you never have before anything in your entire life. The average viewer visits pornography websites seven and a half times a month. Seven and a half times a month, people will continue to go back to this filth, drinking a tall drink of toilet water again and again, poisoning their own soul, having no idea whatsoever what's taking place. This one absolutely blew me away. Pornography websites have more visitors per month than Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined. We have a society with an insatiable desire to be sexually gratified. But let me just tell you this, every single one of those people is disappointed. Every single one of them is looking for something that their heart craves and they didn't find it at the website that they were looking at. They didn't find it in the sexual act that they committed against their own soul, against God, and against their spouse or their future spouse. They didn't find fulfillment there, I promise you that. Interestingly enough, 64% of Christian men said that they had viewed porn at least once a month. And we're beginning to see a trend in our society today where it's becoming more common among women as well. Let me just tell you this, you're killing yourself, you're killing your marriage, you're killing your joy, you're killing your relationship with God every single time. I know this is heavy this morning. And you're like, I was just looking for some encouragement today and here I came and got this. I'm encouraging you to find the best life that God has for you. I'm encouraging you to live a life of holiness that you'll find joy in. Studies report that people who use porn feel less love for their spouse, their partner, and are more dissatisfied with their spouse or partner than people who do not, according to the psychology department at the University of Arkansas. Pornography rewires the brain and retrains the mind in new ways to seek pleasure. That the, the mind actually rewires itself and finds new pathways to follow to find these places of pleasure. If you're taking notes, you should write down neuroplasticity. It basically talking about the, the plasticity of the human mind and the way that it can retrain the way that it thinks. And it warps your brain, literally. I'm just trying to, to let you know, this is not something to play around with. Hey, look, we're not even gonna talk about this morning the ethical implications of women who are forced into pornography to pay their bills or in some form of sexual slavery or anything else like that. We're not even talking about that this morning. I'm just trying to warn you from every perspective you can imagine, a physical perspective, an emotional perspective, and a spiritual perspective. This is toxic. It's poison. Run from it. Pornography, most importantly, is adultery. It's a sin against God. It's a sin against your spouse or your future spouse. Jesus said himself, in Matthew chapter five, in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard that it's said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus says you don't even have to physically be with someone. All you have to do is look at a woman with lustful thoughts and you've already committed adultery with her. It's, it's adultery, it's a sin against God. As a society, we cannot value and seek equality for women while at the same time making them objects of sexual gratification. I'm thankful for this uh, Me Too movement that's going on. I think scumbags should be uh, outed for their sexual sin against women. I'm all for that. But let's not stop there. If we're, if we're going to continue this process of valuing women, which I believe that we should, if we're going to continue to say that women were created in the image of God, I think that we should then we should reject all entertainment that says otherwise. Don't even get me started on rap music this morning and the filth that it talks about women and the names that it calls them as just another name for a woman, a synonym for them. Shameful, shameful. Where's the outrage for that? We've lost it. When I was a, 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 a I wasn't even a teen yet. I was a preteen at the time. A group called Two Live Crew came out with uh, a filthy, filthy rap album. And it was actually banned in the United States of America and Tipper Gore uh, ran this big, huge campaign to put parentally explicit uh, stickers on all of their albums and banned that album in the United States. Why? Because it was filthy to the core of its sexual talk and its objectification of women. Where are we at today? Fast forward, these are our superstars. 
These are the people that are sitting by uh, courtside at NBA games who all of our kids want to be. These are the people with the, the, the face tattoos and the lots of gold chains calling women foul, vile names. And we just sit back and are entertained by it. Shame on us. We need to get back to the place where we say, women were created in the image of God and I'm gonna respect them. I respect this woman enough because she's created in the image of God that I'm not gonna sin against her by lusting after her. I love my wife too much. I love my future spouse if I'm not married yet enough to know that I'm not gonna look at that. I'm not gonna lust after this person because that is a creation of God. I'm not gonna sin against another person because I value them deeply. You say, well, I, I don't look at pornography and I, I'm not involved in a, a sex outside of marriage. Impurity is not just what we do, but it's also what we think and what we say. Turn back to Ephesians uh, chapter uh, five, if you would. <laughs> Ephesians chapter five, verse number three, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. Hey, it's not just what I do, it's a matter of what I think and what I say. Hey, look, you might not be involved in any type of pornography or sexual immorality. Well, let me just say this, if you're posting things on the internet that draw people's attention to you in a sexual manner, that would fall into the category of filthiness in this case here. You're causing other people to lust after you. You're causing other people to sin against you. Don't do that. I told these uh, teenagers, I, I, I had a session on sexual purity and 90% of the people that showed up were girls. And so I just talked to the girls and I said, and I talked to the one guy. I said, hey, make sure if there's a bunch of guys that are talking trash about girls, you tell them to knock it off. Now girls, I'm gonna talk to you for a minute. And so I talked to them and I said to them, Many times you want attention and you post things on the internet of yourself in an inappropriate way to get attention. Just know that's not the type of attention that you want. I said this, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, I'll say it anyways though. I said, when you put out the meat, the only thing you attract is flies. You're not getting the type of attention that you want from this. There was a, a teenage girl uh, that had been posting some pictures of herself on the internet and was getting a lot of attraction from guys in their 50s and 60s. It's sick. It's sick. And so you might say, well, I'm not involved in anything like that. If you're causing other people to sin, you're involved in it. We should live our, our, our lives in such a way that we don't draw people to ourselves or cause people to lust after us. We cause people to desire Jesus. People look at my life and they don't want me, they want Jesus. Nobody wants a 40-year-old guy with a, a gut and a gray beard anyways, right? I want to want Jesus though, right? But, it's a matter of the things that I say. Guys, no inappropriate talk about ladies. Hey, people are talking what, what, what some people would call locker room talk. Don't have any part of that. Man, ex excuse yourself in that situation. <laughs> hey, fellas, I can't hear this. I love my wife too much. Hey, I can't hear this. It's gonna have an effect on my heart that I don't want it to have. We gotta take a stand. Know this. Repeated exposure to filthiness normalizes sinfulness. The more you talk about sin, the more it becomes natural and normal. The more that you have, that you tolerate filthy talk, the more it becomes normal. The more pictures that you look on the internet, you just think that people treat each other that way. You think that everybody's like that. It's not okay, and we can't get to the point where we turn a blind eye to sinfulness. Sinful actions begin with sinful thoughts every single time. Before we do something, we have a thought in our brain as far as what we're gonna do. We need to make our mind up ahead of time. <laughs> Scientists who study stuff like this say that when a thought enters your brain, you have about a second and a half to determine whether or not you're gonna act on that or not. About a second and a half to make a split-second decision. Whether it's a car pulling out in front of you in an intersection or you're gonna slam on your brakes. Or something pops up on your computer screen. Are you gonna click, look, or are you gonna pause and wait for a minute? Somebody at work says, oh, I heard you're not happy with your marriage. Oh, tell me a little bit about that. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm not having that conversation with you at all, ever, under any circumstances. 
Somebody says something sexually inappropriate to you. Oh, I was just joking. I was just kidding around. I was just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Say that again. I'm gonna, I'll report you to HR. That'll stop things quickly. Because when we tolerate things like that, then it just makes it normal. It makes it okay. And we have to be willing to say, that's not okay. Know this, giving into the lust of the flesh always brings destruction. Always. Every single time. It's not a matter of if this will fail, it's a matter of when this will fail. It's not a matter of when this gets ugly or if this gets ugly, it's a matter of when this gets ugly. Every time we give in to our flesh, destruction is quick to follow. You don't believe me? Take a look at James chapter one in your notes. Verse number 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth, what's the word? death. It's all going to fall apart. Look, do things God's way, you'll find joy in life. Do things God's way, you'll find fulfillment in life. Do things your own way, do things the way this world says, you'll be empty every single time. You'll be banging your head against the wall trying to figure out why things aren't working out because you didn't do it God's way. You see, temptation always looks good. Always. That's why it's temptation right? Hey, look, you put a bowl of bro- bro- broccoli in front of me, it doesn't look good. My wife says, oh, put butter on it. I don't care how many sticks of butter you put on it. I'm not eating broccoli. Oh, you, you just haven't made it the right way. No, you can make it anyway. It doesn't matter to me. Now, you put a bowl of ice cream in front of me. That looks really, really good. You tell me not to eat it. Man, it's going to be tough. Why? Because temptation always looks good. Every single time. That's why it's a temptation. But when we give in to temptation, destruction is quick to follow, I promise you that. And know this, your sin will be exposed eventually. It's coming. You will be found out. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Jeremiah 16, 17, for mine eyes are upon all their, all their ways. They're not hid from my faith, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Luke chapter 12, verse number two, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you've spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and whatever you've spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed on the housetops. That little secret texting relationship you got going on, it's gonna be found out. Best thing to do is just confess it, repent of it, and try to move on. If you need help with that, you got a pastor that loves your, your guts to death, okay? That little pornography thing that you do at night when you think nobody knows or when your wife's away or when your husband's out, just know it's gonna be found out. It's coming out eventually. Get out ahead of it and repent today. Your secret sin that you have is no longer a secret to God for sure and it's only a matter of time before it's not a secret to other people too. Get out ahead of it and repent of it today. It's the best way, I promise you that. Why do we do all this? Because Jesus is the greatest joy. Jesus is the good stuff of life. You're you're settling for a counterfeit. Jesus is the greatest joy. He's where the good stuff is found. He's what your heart is really craving. He is what your heart really wants. Every time you click at something on the internet, you're really looking for, to be fulfilled by Jesus. You're looking for what somebody else thinks about you in a positive way. You're really looking for the affirmation of Jesus. You're looking for something to feel the deep craving that you have in your soul. You're really just looking for Jesus. That's where the good stuff is found. That's why God again and again warns us against fornication or any type of sexual sin. You see, when I find my joy in Jesus, sin becomes unattractive. When I'm filled up to the top with Jesus and how much I love him, the things of this world hold very little sway over me. Hey, look, something pornographic popped up on my laptop. I'd just as soon hit it with a sledgehammer than I would to look twice. Some girl walks past dressed inappropriately trying to get attention. I would rather gouge my own eyes out than to look a second time. You know Why? because Jesus is what I want. Uh, Fulfilling relationship with my spouse is what I want. To be a man that my kids can look up to is what I want. 
I don't have any appetite for the things of this world. Or say, well, pastor, you're not tempted. I never said that. I'm saying I'm not willing to give in to temptation because it's not worth it. I guarantee you that. Final thoughts this morning. How do we find victory over sin? If you're struggling with sexual sin, whether it's adultery, whether it's premarital sex, whether it's cohabitation, whether it's the same sex relationship, maybe it hasn't even gotten physical yet. It's just in the, the talking and, and foolish talk and jesting phase. Maybe we're just making inappropriate jokes. Hey, the answer is the same for all these. First of all, repent of any impure thoughts, motive, or actions. I'm going to confess my sin before God, and I'm going to make it right. And for some of you, this might mean you have to have a hard conversation with your spouse. You say, well, they'll leave me if they find out about this. Just know this, God can fix anything, and you've got a pastor who's willing to walk you through the process. What you cannot do is continue in your sin. You can't do that, I promise you that. You've got to stop today, make it right with God, and make it right with those that you've sinned against. Next, remove any sources of temptation. Hey, if that means I'm going to stop following people on Instagram, if that means, can you believe I'm going to say this? I'm going to delete my Instagram. What? That's crazy talk. Hey, if it's a source of temptation, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. I don't even use Instagram that much. I use it for our, for our church and post pictures of our church. And on my personal, I'll post pictures of my family sometimes. And they get a little button that you hit that's a little magnifying glass to search. And you click on that. It's a bunch of stuff. That, I didn't ask for any of this stuff. Where did this stuff come from? What makes you think I'd be interested in any of this? You know what I realized? I just don't need to click on that little button anymore. Why? Because it's all kinds of stuff that I'm not interested in that I don't need to have any business seeing. Whatever it takes to remove temptation, you gotta do it. If that means you have to put filtering software on your phone and your laptop, do it. You say, well, I can't do that. Then throw it all away. Just, just throw your phone away. Get a landline. People did that for years, Right? grief. Next, set up boundaries that help you avoid temptation. I'm going to make it hard for me to get access to things that I shouldn't. I'm going to remove any type of, of temptation that I have. Hey, maybe there's somebody I've been chatting with online that I shouldn't. I'm going to delete my account and block that person so I never hear from them ever again. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do that. And let me just say this, I'm thankful that I'm not waiting for somebody to make an accusation against me because I've lived my life clean up to this point. I'm not hoping that somebody comes out of the woodwork that I had an inappropriate relationship with a dozen years ago that's gonna make an accusation against me. I'm thankful there's no pictures out there that exist of me and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Why? Because I try to keep my life right. And if you're living right, you don't have to worry about things like this coming back to you. But you're gonna have to remove any types of 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 sources of temptation and set up boundaries to help you avoid that. Seek accountability. Ask somebody to help you. Install filtering software that sends a report to somebody that tells them what you've been looking at on the internet. Tell somebody, hey, if you see me talking to that girl, would you tell me to get away from her? Hey, would you check my phone every now and then just to make sure that I'm on the up and up? My wife knows my passcode to my phone. You know why? She wants to read what I got. She can read it. She'll read who I'm texting. Read it. You read my Facebook messages, they're very boring, but you're welcome to them. You know, take a look at my email, I got nothing to hide. You know, scroll through my camera roll on my phone, go for it. Accountability, I need it, I want it. My kids grab my phone sometimes. <laughs> my son Vanderlei figured out this past week how he could unlock my phone with my fingerprint. And my daughter, Michaela, who's 10, she goes, oh yeah, I do that all the time while he's asleep. What? <laughs> wow. But you know what? I didn't think to myself, like, oh, 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 don't look at my phone. Give that back to dad. You can't click on anything around there because I'm afraid of what you might say. No, you either click something, click it. There's nothing to hide. Accountability, we all need it. Next, get extreme if necessary. Hey, there's men in our church that own a flip phone. You know why? Because they say, I don't need the temptation. I just need to make phone calls and texts. And here's the thing. If you got a text, you got to like mash the same button like six times to say what you want to say. Hey, that'll keep you from sending filthy stuff. I promise you, right? No time to type all that out. Can't send photos if you wanted to. That's okay. Hey, here's what Jesus says. If your right hand offends you, what are you supposed to do? Cut it off. If your right eye offends you, you know what you're supposed to do? Pluck it out. 
You say, that's crazy. Jesus says it's better to, to not be taken down to hell with a right eye and a right arm than it is to live a life that's right. If you have to get extreme, get extreme. I've told guys before, you need to quit your job and find a different one because that, that lady that you had an inappropriate relationship with still works there. Well, I can't quit my job. Why? That's crazy. No, what's crazy is that you would have a relationship with a woman and still work side by side with her. That's crazy to me. Hey, get extreme if we have to to make sure that this doesn't happen. Next, memorize Romans chapter six. <coughs> when Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, three times the answer was scripture. Memorize Romans six. What verses? All of it. Romans chapter six starts off, says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And he goes on to talk about how I don't have to serve my sin because Jesus has set me free from my sin. And if I choose to go back to my sin, it's because I chose to yield myself as a member unto unrighteousness. It's a choice that I made. And I'm telling you this, when you're tempted and you begin to quote that to yourself, you realize in that moment, I got a choice to make about this. My sin doesn't have power over me. I have power over my sin. I can choose yes or I can choose no. Final thought. Ask God to expose your heart. You might be saying, everything's good. Ask God to show you. The psalmist said, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if something's wrong. Be honest. And if there's something wrong, you need to make it right. If you're here today and you have sexual sin in your life, just know this, I love you and I'm 100% for you and I wanna help you. If you're here today and you're struggling with sexual sin, do not leave here and say, pastor hates my guts and I can't go back to that church because they think that I'm a sinner and things like that. Know this, first of all, I know you're a sinner because I am too. And if you can't find help in Jesus' church, you will not find help anywhere in the world. So the devil wants to tell you to turn and run from this, but Jesus is saying, no, you need to come in and sit down for a while. We'll get through this together. Final thought, at the bottom of your uh, bulletin there, if you're struggling in this area, just send one word, help, to the phone number that's there. You know what that phone number is? It's my, my cell phone. Did you know that over five years, if I've talked to people about pornography, adultery, sexual sin, I've told time and time again from the pulpit and in person, hey, if you're ever struggling, I want you to reach out to me and ask for help in five years. You know how many times in five years somebody has reached out and said, pastor, I need help? How many times do you think? Zero. Not one time has anybody ever said, Pastor, I'm struggling in this sexual sin. I need your help, ever. Do you know how many times I've gotten texts in the middle of the night where people say, Pastor, I need to meet with you immediately at 10 o'clock at night? And I say, can I wait till tomorrow? I can't wait till tomorrow. Pastor, three o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, Pastor, can we meet? Can we talk? I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait till tomorrow. And some guy shows up at the front door of the church with his laptop, his iPad, and his cell phone all stacked up together. I know what's happened. You don't even have to tell me what happened. I already know. He got caught. You know why? Because it's coming out eventually. You're going to forget to delete your browser history. You're gonna, someone's going to accidentally save itself to your camera roll that you didn't think that it would. Somebody's going to open up a web browser and look something up right quick, and something's going to pop up that you didn't think was there. Your Facebook messenger is going to go off and somebody's going to grab the phone and look at it and see that it's somebody that's not your spouse that's sending you messages that are not very appropriate. It's only a matter of time. Get out ahead of it today. Confess it to God today. Repent of it today. Get help you need today. Don't wait. Flee fornication. Run from it. The Bible says that those who partake in these things they will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're gonna take a look at what that means next week because we can't unpack all that today. Look, today, I know today was heavy. I get it. But I want you to know this, there's hope. And if you say, pastor, I'm good. Me and my wife are solid. I'm not doing anything inappropriate. Uh, I'm not involved in pornography. I don't have filthy talk or anything like that. Would you pray that God would allow you to continue that? Because that's a special thing you got going on there. Pray that God would help you to continue to walk a path of righteousness and purity because that's where the good life is found. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that hit home for me, that's where I live, would you confess it to God and make it right with him today and walk in purity from, from here on out? That's where the, the best life is found, I promise you that. 
Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that when you die, heaven is your home, please do not leave here today without being saved or born again because you can try to live a good life here in this life and die and spend eternity separated from God and nobody wants that, this guy included. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, you'll have a, moment, a time in just a moment to, to, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't leave here without doing that. For the rest of us this week, we're gonna walk in love like we took a look at last week. We're also gonna walk in purity this week.